0: Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing, and your host for this episode. Today, we have one of my favorite guests with me, John Guttrell, who is one of our very own instructor. He's got decades of experience in product management, marketing, sales, corporate development. He's got a great perspective from both a B2B and a B2C background, uh, and he's always just full of great ideas. Hi, John.
1: Hey, good morning, Rebecca. Thanks for having me on again it's, uh, uh, on on uh, Pragmatic Live and, and talk about things that we're seeing in the market and, and what we're hearing from folks. Thanks again.
0: Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that I know you hear all the time from from our clients, and that we hear on the office all the time from clients, is sort of like, "Hey, can you help me find the right product manager? Right? Like, what should I be looking for when I hire? Because there's, it's such important to get the right person in. So, what kind of one of the biggest discussions around that is, do I look for someone who has big domain expertise uh, in, in what we do? Um, for instance, we've worked with Taser before, right? And Taser's product managers are a lot of ex-police officers and, and ex-law enforcement. Or instead of having domain expertise, do I want someone who's got product management experience, who understands the processes, who understands the approach, who knows what the role means. So, just in in terms of that discussion, John, kind of where do you fall on the spectrum of, of who one should hire?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, it kind of depends on what role I'm in and, and how specific the domain is from a technical perspective. You know, does it require a certain, a certain amount of, uh, I guess, um, scientific knowledge and understanding, or is there a uniqueness in the domain that that requires it? Because if there's not a uniqueness, I like familiarity with law enforcement is a great example, um, or having the experience of being in that position as their users at Taser. I often recommend you default on having product management chops. Uh, well, well, certainly there's benefit in teaching the domain uh, or starting with the domain and teaching product management in theory. The challenge I have with that is when people come from the domain, they often lack the curiosity that I think is vital for finding market problems and driving innovation. You know, when you when you have decades of knowledge in a domain, it, it's hard often for you to open your eyes and see things differently. And product management as a rigor and a discipline is how can we ask better questions and find out things we don't know? And if you start with a, a a foundation that you believe is the knowledge of the market, it often dissuades you from putting in the effort to do what we call as Nahito calls, going out and visiting our clients, our users, the people that aren't consuming our products that potentially buy it. And so I find that uh, I prefer individuals um, that truly understand product management because over time the domain comes with market engagement, market interviews and observations and so that's often kind of my my first blush, if you will, when I when I'm trying to hire someone in in a role for product management. So it's certainly something I see all the time.
0: And I think that makes sense. I mean, you brought up that curiosity, right? You may not have the same curiosity because you think you know that perspective, but I also think we often have unconscious bias. So you may be curious, but even the things you're hearing in the market, you may be hearing through a a specific filter of your experience that isn't quite as open as if it's okay. I've I've got no experience here. I'm just here to to soak it up like a sponge.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good good point. I mean, in fact, recently I've worked with uh, uh, a person in the role and uh, came from the domain. And as we're looking for feedback and and trying to figure out what to do next uh, on our projects, they would often say something to the effect, well, I'm the user, so I understand. Mm. Well, the reality is you were the user, so you understood, but how are things currently evolving? And I've seen that come up, not just in in projects I've personally worked on, but also with folks in our in our courses saying you know when I when I look at what's happening in the market it's different and what I see is x versus y and sometimes it you know it really is just why and dig in so you understand what that reality is and so I, I think that that's another challenge of coming from industry versus coming from a domain uh, of true product management discipline and rigor. One
0: that you mentioned early on when we were talking about you know domain expertise versus sort of product management knowledge, that it did depend a little bit on the type of organization it was, type of product, how technical. Are there other things that really drive for you what you're looking for in a product management candidate?
1: Well, I may mean, think, uh, you know, if I were to break down kind of um, domain versus rigor, let's say it's a 90-10 kind of split. Uh, split. There's 10% of the situations out there where clearly domain knowledge is critical. And often that's in the beginning part of of an organization's life cycle or a product's life cycle, Uh, like a founder of a startup. They'll go out, find a problem in the market as they're sitting in that market and try to solve it. And very often that domain expertise is critical uh, within the the first several releases and uh, launch activities that you have around with your product. So when I'm kind of thinking not just about what their skills are, but what are the goals of the business? And so an early stage product might have different domain expertise requirements where a late stage product and more mature markets with small uh, compound annual growth rates, i would say, you know, three to 5%, you know, essentially flat markets. I'll probably want someone that's more financially focused, analytics focused to figure out how can we make the most amount of profit as this product kind of, ages out towards the, the uh, you know, sort of, um, declining part of its life cycle.
0: Well, that's a really interesting take on that, that somewhat the, what you need depends on the, the sort of life cycle stage of the product. And I can, to your point, early stage products, not only might you need a product manager with that perspective, but as you said, the founder is often that role and that perspective. Um, and then as you move forward, so, um, What other traits might be uh, distinct or different depending on the life stage of the product?
1: Well, so I mean, so let's think about if you think about the gap analysis that we often encourage our customers to do uh, as as a follow on to our foundations course go back to the office, synchronize on what you're trying to accomplish, and then figure out where you want to invest across those 37 activities on the pragmatic marketing framework. And so, kind of the over-exaggerated example of a founder, right? Domain expertise, uh, building, let's say, a technology product versus a a non-technology product in the technology space. You probably want them to have uh, some true sort of development familiarity, if not chops into themselves to make sure the technology's right, maybe a little um, set of uh, skills around business analyst translating the market requirements into the development organization but once you kind of move towards the launch activities and there's no revenue maybe I would invest differently I'd start investing not just in different people but different activities around uh, launch planning awareness creating early adopters so you know building the product pre-revenue I'm probably going to invest in in someone with more technical and 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 um domain expertise as I get towards launch I probably want someone that's more towards growth, awareness, brand and program uh, and so that's the kind of thing we see on the pragmatic marketing framework pre-revenue you're not spending any money on the marketing plan you got to make sure you can build the product. you're spending all your money on requirements, user personas and you know delivering the right solution to put it on the shelf and then at some point you have to invest in awareness so on and so forth. And so kind of as your product moves towards launch, as it the market moves towards maturity, there's going to be different dials and levers we have to pull to meet the expectations of both our market and our investors. And those are different skills over time.
0: That's super interesting. So as it kind of progresses, we move from a product management focus to more of a product marketing focus. Um and then,
1: I mean, I think that's a fair statement. You know, titles are a mess, but kind yep, of in a pure yep. place, someone needs to build the right product and, you know, commit to the business. And then someone has to help drive that that commit into the market with the right programs, content, and the like.
0: And then I could see if you, are you know, if you're a company with multiple products and sort of a portfolio, that you know, you you maybe your your cash cow products that we all want, of course, uh, has a a stronger resource investment in the product marketing side, but you've got a lot of product management resources focused on sort of the next horizon, the next products. And then as those progress, the, the sort of dynamic and the, and the ratio would change.
1: Yeah. And I think that's, you know, one of the challenges many large companies have with, with, uh, extended portfolios, lots of uh, product lines and categories they support is, they look for that single profile. Well, if you have a five year old product, a 15 year old product, and a not quite launched product, those profiles and staffing requirements would be different. Uh, you know, I would even offer that a, a product that is, is more about operational support or versus uh, ongoing. Um, how would I say this? A product that has a whole bunch of operational uh, activities like a service provider in the cloud would maybe have someone that has to have a lot of domain expertise and cross-functional interactions, helping support, helping the implementations and onboarding team. And so in some ways, just kind of what problem you're solving in your deployment model may even determine the types of skills you need, like a product manager of the infrastructure. That person doesn't make any revenue, but you got to have security. You got to have onboarding, self-service tools, reporting that can be consumable across other products in the portfolio. And so even within, you know, one production environment, you might have someone with different skill requirements uh, doing the security and the infrastructure versus representing uh, current revenue um, transactions versus someone that's driving for the next the next uh, release and the next vision in the market. And they could all report to the same person with three discreetly different profiles and needed for success and would
0: you say that those are the optimal people for each of those has a different sort of dna or is it just that this person is doing more of those pieces
1: yeah i hate to you know ge- overly genericize yeah, you know, but you know from an exaggerated kind of uh, almost caricature model i can point to what we're seeing in our in our survey over time the uh, annual survey pragmatic does if you look over the last decade uh, we are increasingly seeing more and more people having MBAs in in the role of product manager not, not just leadership roles like as the price to be in product management in some companies as a, as a bar that to to make sure you you're able to head and as as you kind of think about the growth in MBAs it's approaching you know not quite half the folks if I recall our data correctly is that is that about right? It's looking yeah, it's like mid 42. 40s. Yep, yep. And um, and so, what has happened in our industry and in technology and software? It's matured. It's become more of a financially driven model as folks are now on their second version of their next gen, trying to optimize revenue and profit, not just driving innovation. Because in many markets, the innovation is you know decades old. And now we're just making sure it's efficient, effective and driving profit for some companies. And so, you know, that's probably the easiest way to to do a generic overview is that as the markets mature, as our products mature, we need more traditional MBA like folks in many roles. Um, You look at startups and very often those are more technical roles because they're trying to get the product right to make sure it fits so they can hit the business plan. Uh, based on those market requirements and so um, one way steve johnson talks about things often or uh, at, at pragmatic he's our, our product lead uh, steve often talks about kind of i think it says a future next and now right there's someone that's got to drive the future and, you know and increasingly that that person maybe a titles director of strategy and maybe that is like an mba like like title traditionally is in the last you know, five to seven years, it's becoming more solidified because they're running the financials, making sure it hits the business plan. And then they're translating their their business plan and, and kind of the strategy to build the right product to have a technical product manager or a, or a product manager But Typically, regardless of what their title is, technical or generic product manager, they are working with development and the cross-functional needs to put that product on the shelf. And then some folks... Um, then pick that product off the shelf, maybe a product marketing role, or maybe if you have a technical product manager, maybe that title is actually product manager. But those are um, different skills, different uh, investment strategies, you know, just based on what their role is in the product. Am I caring about the future? Am I building what's next? And am I driving now for revenue and business planning?
0: That makes a ton of sense, and it's, I would think, extraordinarily important that we think about all three for most companies, depending on where, you know, they are in their own life cycle, uh, and that we have the right people focused on those three.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, it's, unfortunately, it's not one profile, as much as I've always wanted to, you know, make sure we had interchangeable skills across the team, and the teams I've led, and, and make sure we got the right skills development plan, the right succession planning, you know because of the uniqueness of just those three benchmarks, future next and now, never mind the, the life cycle of the product you know there's probably two or three profiles businesses should be striving for to make sure they meet the, the future of their business requirements and market, that they better manage the activities of putting the products on the shelf. Uh, that we're going to use next and then how are we going to drive success now with more of an outbound strategy or programmatic approach.
0: So then I would think as a hiring manager, the thing to do would be to ask yourself those questions. Where, where is my product in its life cycle? What do I want this person to be focused on most um, because they can't do it all? Uh, and then what skills are going to help them drive those pieces?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean you got to, with every open headcount, for lack of a better phrase, and every investment in your team, it's not so much of how do I hit the profile, how do I make the team successful, both in what the business wants, what we already have on board, and then how can we fill the gaps to, to execute stronger in the market?
0: So I know you've hired a lot of product managers in your day. And I know you see, you know, thousands of product managers every year when you teach them. Um, and there's various profiles, of course. Are there certain things that you do think of as consistent or like, dude, that one's going to be a rock star. And I can tell because of X.
1: You know, I, 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 and I don't think there, yes, I think there are a couple things that I've seen historically kind of a passion for their product. In fact, a question I often ask in in courses, you know, who loves your product? And, you know, and some people will just stay there kind of ho-hum and there'll be people that are excited saying, no, absolutely, I wouldn't want another product. And they're, they're, they believe in it. So you got to kind of have that belief in what you're doing and that you're doing something greater than yourself. Uh, I always
0: ask when I'm hiring a marketing person. I ask them to tell me about who their buyer of their current product is, because then I can see if they're passionate about their buyer and if they really know it, right? Or do I get yeah, I mean, like people 35 to 42 who live in West Oxford or whatever, right? Um, and, you can, you see and, I, and
1: I've got a lot of email addresses, so let's hit right. send. <laughs> right, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so pr- passion for your, you know, what they're doing in their specific role. Um, and they, you know, that's as much a cultural fit as it is a skills fit. Um, I think uh, the desire to believe you don't know any, everything, right? And in some ways to be willing to take your biases, as you said earlier, off the table and maybe say, I know nothing. Let me be a sponge. And so if, if you got someone that's passionate about what they're doing and the space they're in and the products they're managing you got a desire to learn more probably the, the 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 most important skill from my historical hiring profile is can they take that data and do something with it can they analyze it and make it consumable by the folks in development to build you know higher uh, quality products or higher scalable products can they use that data to tell better stories to their buyers to correct create the right channels and messages and so if you got passion you got a desire to learn or curiosity, and then you're willing to go out and, and dig into the data, both qualitative and quantitative. I think kind of those are the, the three headline bullets. That means you go into round two of, of an interview process when I have historically worked with folks, without a doubt.
0: Awesome. That's great insights. I think a, a lot of people will find this interesting, both who are currently looking for a role, because I think it's important for the hiring manager to know what they want, but, you know, it's the same thing when I see a product manager job listing out there as, a, as a, um, a job seeker, you need to make sure that profile really matches with what you want to do because it can mean so many things to different people. Same thing with product marketing, right? Is this the part of it I want to do to, to myself and the company have the same understanding? So I think the insights you provided here help help both sides of the equation.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think kind of shameless plug or, you know, fall back in my history is whenever I interviewed for a job, I bring the framework for me and tell me what is this job across these things? Uh, You know, because there's been multiple interviews I've gone on or had with folks where they wanted activities that I didn't think were needed in the role or they were saying product management is exit this company. I'm like, yeah, we don't need to talk anymore. Right. Because that's not my skill set. That's not my passion. It may be what you need, but I'm not the person. And I think, you know, there's a whole lot of value in just kind of cutting through the noise early on in the discussion cycle. And I've found the, the framework and been a good kind of, you know, uh, what would you call it? Um, prop, if you will, to bring in to, to drive those discussions and keep people on the same page just so we, as we move through just forward discussions or forward in the interview process, we didn't end up at the end of the discussion all kind of saying the same words, but meaning different things. Yep.
0: Yep. then it's a win-win on both sides, which is exactly what you're looking for. Yep. Awesome. All right, John, we have talked a bunch of different things today. If you were to pick two things you wanted to people to do differently or think about differently based on our discussion today, what would they be?
1: I think with every time you're, you're looking to, request a, a, you know, a job rec or, a you know, augment your team with more headcount, you know, do a survey of what skills you have. Maybe even ask folks, are they satisfied in their roles? Because before you start putting a new person on the team, you got to make sure that the current team is really on board and and working together the right way. And so maybe a gap analysis exercise, one-on-one with everyone on your team. And you might find that there's certain preferences already on your team. You didn't know under, understand of where they like to spend their time, where they want to grow their career. So I think doing a one-on-one gap analysis with your team to find passion, strengths and, and uh, weaknesses is a good place to start. And then uh, frame that in your goals before you start doing the search is my recommendation.
0: Awesome. All right, John, it is wonderful as always to have you on. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: All right. Well, thank you for having me, Rebecca, and uh, you all have a great day. Thanks for listening and all that.
0: All right. Thanks for listening. That does it for today's episode. Don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.